got a real good feeling. You're listening to the Coffee and Crypto Podcast with Crypto Jeb, bringing you the best and most updated news about cryptocurrency. Tune in every morning at 9.30 a.m. Eastern to watch this podcast live on our YouTube channel. Hey guys, and welcome back. I am joined today by Paul Barron of the Paul Barron Network. We're about to dive into some concepts and some conversations around metaverse and blockchain gaming and some other things relating to the cryptocurrency space. Paul, welcome to the channel. How are you doing, my friend? Hey, I'm doing good. Doing great. Yeah, well, welcome. You got an amazing looking set, my friend. Can you tell my audience a little bit about who you are and what you do and uh, what we're doing here today? Sure. Uh, well, Paul Barron Network, uh, we really focus in on uh, blockchain education, but really from a more uh, 30,000 foot level, we'll go into deep dives on things like interviews. We'll get into projects pretty deep with founders, dev leads, um, all that kind of stuff. Obviously, we dive into metaverse. We get into blockchain. We have a, a tool that we've been building for quite a while, several years, uh, called the Crypto Power Index that gives us some sentiment analysis that often leads us in the right direction on projects. My background is computer science, um, ex-Microsoft, uh, and have built many media companies and now we are uh, rocking and rolling in the crypto space. There you go. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming on the channel today, Paul. I want to get started by asking you one question that I think will dovetail nicely into everything that I want to talk about with you. When Facebook announced that they were going to be changing their name to Meta in, I believe it was October 28th or October 29th of last year, we saw projects like uh, Mana, uh, Decentraland, and also Sandbox. These projects rallied nearly 500%. One, why do you think they rallied that much? And two, do you think that these Metaverse projects are finally ready for mass adoption? of different people in the cryptocurrency space. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, we, we call that the uh, the meta explosion, uh, kind of day one for the metaverse in terms of just awareness. Uh, I think the reason that most of the projects really took uh, immediate hits was just, it kind of became uh, a scenario where if Facebook is a company like that, as serious as they are in, in Mark Zuckerberg, Taking a, a real stance at pivoting like they're talking about doing kind of showed, I think, the rest of the tech community, but also, more importantly, is the VCs and the investment community uh, that really started to understand where this might be going. So immediately we saw you know, the smart investors starting to pour money into some of these projects because everybody wants to get in on these, early, on these early horses when they're right about at the gate before they start taking off. And I think that's what happened. So um, it wasn't surprising, but at the same time, it was uh, a little disappointing. <laughs> yeah, no, and you know, something else that was disappointing is that when Facebook released their quarterly earnings call for Q4, their stock dropped $220 billion in a day. That was the largest stock erasure, uh, uh, destruction of stock market value that we'd ever seen in one day from a company. And now I firmly believe that metaverse is going to be a trillion dollar industry. But what do you tell to people that would say, okay, well, Facebook changes their name to meta because they're making a play on the metaverse and then they lose a quarter trillion dollars in market capitalization. What would you say to that person yeah. asking that question? I think if you if you understand technology and the evolution of where tech has evolved from, uh, there's always first movers and there's always the class of developers that usually are the ones that kind of run the show in terms of how a technology gets adopted. Now, Facebook was actually one of that cohort in you know the mid-1990s, and obviously that led out to their rollout in the mid-2000s to become what is now the global social media 
media company. But I think for them to make the shift, um, I think it's turnabout fair play. In, in essence, I don't know that Facebook, a walled garden, will ever be a true metaverse environment that's going to excel. Uh, I'll probably eat those words one day, but the point is you can pour billions of dollars into this. And the biggest issue that I think Facebook faces is, is the same issue that many of the companies that they replaced faced, and that is the nimble, more active developers in the community, especially if you look at blockchain in general, are going to be much faster, much more nimble, and in most cases have a lot more upside than someone who's trying to pivot a gargantuan business model that still has maybe another decade or two left. So it's not surprising that they lost a lot of money. And it won't surprise me if, uh, in reality, they get pushed either into uh, irrelevance or maybe even abandoning the project. Yeah, well, that's something that Facebook has struggled with for a long time with their ethos of move fast and break things. The unfortunate thing is they moved fast to the number one social media company, but at the same time, they broke the trust of a lot of their fan base. So I ask you the question. Yeah. When Metaverse really starts to take off, are we going to see it coming from companies like Microsoft that's investing in this industry or some of the gaming companies that are now getting into blockchain gaming, which is a form of Metaverse or a Facebook? Or are we really going to see more decentralized programs and, and projects like a Mana or a Decentraland or a, or a Sandbox really start to take over that landscape? Is the future decentralized or centralized for Metaverse? Yeah, when you look at Microsoft, I worked for them for many years. Um, I ran a lot of developers. Our, our primary you know, requirement was to really build Windows. And one of the things that Microsoft is doing that's quite a bit different than I think a lot of other Silicon Valley operators is one, they already have a gaming component, which is going to be a big part of Metaverse. And they already have the consumer connection, which is the same as what you would need from social. And the biggest advantage I think they have in terms of a first mover is they have the developers in place. Now, could they be the one that does leverage in or could it be someone like Apple who has yet to really indicate that they're going to move in that direction. I'm still on the fence with whether or not big tech will be the big players in the metaverse. I almost believe right now, based on what I've seen in terms of early early tech in the metaverse development projects that we've talked to, is that the next or the biggest metaverse player out there maybe is a, is a company we've never heard of yet. Mm. Yeah, no, that sounds really interesting because I think what you're going to see happen is you're going to see, you know, we were actually talking about Metaverse on our on our morning show, Coffee and Crypto, uh, earlier the day that we're recording this. And we talked about how Xerox was actually the company that really got started with the mouse. And then, the you know, as the as the whole, at this point, it's kind of a myth goes, Steve Jobs goes, he sees this mouse, he plays with it, and he says, oh, this is revolutionary. Why aren't you doing anything with this? And then he goes and then he founds Apple with Steve Wozniak. And that's part of what they do when they when they create the Apple computer. And Xerox was the was the the company that did the engineering behind it, but Steve Jobs was the man and the comp and the, the the man and the company that took that technology to mass market. And so the question that we had on our minds, I'd love to ask you, is do you think that a project like a Decentraland or a Sandbox or some of the other projects are going to be just the engineering component where they're going to pave the way and figure out the technology behind Metaverse? And then someone else, another entrepreneur or capitalist is going to come in and build the company that or the uh, blockchain uh, that really takes this to the next level? Or is it going to be the same players right now that are already in the space that are going to rise up and actually take over that industry? Yeah. All right. So, Jeb, I think that there's a couple of things that could happen there. Uh, and that is, especially if you look at the evolution of where blockchain and metaverse is being developed. And when I mean blockchain, meaning gaming, uh, a lot of those hotspots are outside the, U the United States. If you look at Singapore, North Korea, 
or excuse me, South Korea, Vietnam, and then you even look at uh, the Eastern Bloc countries, Russia, et cetera. A lot of new development is happening in countries outside the United States. So I think the problem that we have here in the U.S., especially from Silicon Valley standpoint, is that we're in Silicon Valley, and until we get regulation that kind of gets us to the next layer, uh, it's going to be a problem. I don't know that it will be as easy for companies in San Francisco and California in general to really kind of make that leap of being able to kind of uh, revolutionize what we will be seeing as the next evolution in Web3. So not sure. Well, that's really good. Well, let me ask you this, because we've talked a little bit about the back end of Metaverse and how that industry may be developing. But for everybody at home who's watching this market, trying to make the most of some of these opportunities, what are some of the projects that you're looking at in the Metaverse ecosystem that you find opportunity in that you could share? Yeah, I think you know the uh, the the one we call uh, the Holy Trinity here in the crypto pit is is something I think that a lot of people probably for if they're new to metaverse could easily jump into. That's projects like Alluvium, which are is I think one of, going to be one of the bigger. Uh, blockchain gaming projects out there. Axie Infinity is kind of the, the standard. If they can fix their economy and they can solve some of the problems uh, in terms of on-ramp to be able to really expand adoption, then I think Axie's got a play that is coming. Sandbox is just going to be a killer, just what they're trying to do. And and the fact that Animoca Brands, just the, the association with the amount of inno- innovation and also money behind that project, I think is going to be a big play there. But you have a ton of other games and metaverse plays that I think are on the move. Uh, and there's just so many to look at. I mean, we obviously we do a, a top 20 almost every week in both metaverse, top uh, the top 20 blockchain gaming, and then we also do some low caps. So you got to watch the show to learn those. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, make sure to go watch Paul Barron Network on YouTube. But let me ask you this also. I made a statement that I am that I'm thinking I might have to eat. I made this in December. I said in 2022, you are going to see a blockchain gaming um, cryptocurrency protocol project, whatever you want to call it, in the top 10. Do you think I'm going to have to eat my words on that or do you think that's going to happen? Well, the only one that I think would be um, possible to make it is going to be Axie Infinity and what really? Scott Mavis is doing. Yeah, I think that if, and here's the thing, with Axie, uh, you know, they've had an inflationary issue with the SLP, which is essentially their their smooth love potion. It's essentially the trading token for the Axie Infinity ecosystem. But the model, and we had their uh, co-founder on the show not too long ago, and he talked a lot about the evolution of where the economy needed to shift to, because that's the biggest issue with being able to get more adoption for Axie Infinity. And I think they, because of their player uh, potential, but also the potential of the game itself, could be there. Now, could Sandbox maybe make a run at it? It's so far down the chart in terms of overall market cap. I just don't see it in the top 10. But Axie, I don't know. It's it, it's an interesting one. If Axie goes to $300, then we may have a, an option to, to see that happen. That's a super interesting answer. I did not expect you to say Axie. And the reason is a lot of people have said that it's going to be very hard for a project like Axie to go to top 10, but something like a Gala or something like a, I'm forgetting Gala. the name, yeah. but there, Gala, but there, there's a name, there's a, there's a cryptocurrency that is basically trying to be the steam of of uh, blockchain gaming. They're trying to be the distribution. There's a lot of big names in it. I think uh, uh, um, there's a lot of big companies in it. 
That, that's it. Thank you very much. I haven't had a chance to look into it too much, but I heard about it at the North American Bitcoin Conference. I've heard a lot of people say that you're going to see the infrastructure of the games going into the top 10, such as a th- you're, you see Ethereum in, you know, number two or a Cardano number seven or whatever. Right. And then you see the, the layer twos built on top of it lower. So it'd be, they're making the argument that the games are the layer twos, the platforms like a gala or like the, you know, uh, Ultra, um, Ultra are going to be yeah. the ones that are actually going to be very successful. So why do you say a, like a, an actual game like Axie Infinity versus something that's more of a platform and an infrastructure? Yeah, I think, yes, so Axie could be on the cusp of maybe evolving into a multi-platform studio, and if they go that direction to kind of compete with Gala, which is really one of the the first world-class studios we've seen in blockchain gaming, the challenge with Gala that I still think is a little bit, um, I won't say concerning, but it's a little bit odd, and that is you aren't able to track a lot of the tokenomics behind Gala. And even though Axie is pretty open with that, and and they do know that to a certain extent that is broken and they're trying to fix that uh, ecosystem, Gala, on the other hand, is not as open uh, with that aspect of it in terms of the tokenomics. Now, we've had Gala on our show a couple of times right before Galaverse. If you look at just the amount of innovation that's happening at Gala, yes, they could be a good contender for it because they are, you know, uh, I think of what could be just a massive studio for the future. But there's so many other projects that are kind of leaning in that way as well. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to watch for sure uh, around what players are going to really kind of come to market. Remember, this is still very early. A lot of these games have not even been launched in most cases. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Paul, we got, we're running short on time, but let me ask you one final question. I like to ask this question to everyone I interview because I think um, everybody has a very interesting response to this. Paul, for the person who's been in cryptocurrency for less than 12 months, what is your number one piece of non-financial advice that you would give them? <laughs> I think it's time. you have to be time in the market. It's it really, you, if you're going to enter into crypto, you really need to look at a long-term horizon whether you're in traditional assets, blue chip assets, or if you're going into some of the moderate or high risk assets, uh, such as these emerging markets. And if you're in an emerging market, depending on what your risk aversion is, you just have to understand these markets going to have some time to play out. And I think just time is going to be the winning uh, component here that everybody has to address. I think that's phenomenal. Well, Paul, where can people find you and everything that you're doing on all your social medias and everything? Yeah, just search uh, Paul Barron Network on YouTube, or you can hit me up on Twitter at Paul Barron. There you go. Well, guys, make sure to go subscribe to him and follow him on Twitter. Thank you so very much for coming on the channel, Paul. I will see all of you guys in the next video. Peace. Hey, you made it to the end of the video. If you enjoyed this video, you should definitely consider subscribing because we're trying to help you become financially free in these cryptocurrency markets. And also consider following us on Twitter at CryptoJeb for more updates on the price of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Peace. We hope you enjoyed listening to the Coffee and Crypto podcast. Tune in every day at 9.30 a.m. Eastern to watch live on YouTube. Follow us on our social media accounts at CryptoJeb. And lastly, we want to thank you for supporting us here at McAfee Media.